number 37 today. Uh, not much to recap from last week, uh, just Esau's descendants and the book of Genesis wrapped up uh, the story of Esau. So we will uh, not pretty much not see him uh, for the rest of the book of Genesis. So in chapter number 37, before we get started, uh, just want to remind you, we said this a few weeks ago about typology um, in the book uh, uh, or chapter 37, we see Joseph as a type of Christ. Typology is a special kind of symbolism. A symbol is one thing which represents something else. We can define a type as a prophetic symbol because all types are representations of yet future. More specifically, a type in scripture is a person or thing in the Old Testament which foreshadows a person or thing in the New Testament. Could you close that door for me? Thank you. So as we go through this, uh, in your mind, just think of those things uh, in chapter 37 referring to Joseph that makes him a uh, type of Christ. So let's look at verse 1 in chapter 37. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And all the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that, uh, I'm sorry, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So here we see that Joseph is now uh, 17. Uh, he's feeding the flocks. Uh, and it says that uh, the sons of his wives, Bilhah and Zippah, uh, Bilhah's sons was Dan and Naphtali and Zilpah's sons was Gad and Asher uh, and as you can see here um, his wives these wives Bilhah and <coughs> Zilpah is referred to a couple of different ways in the book of Genesis sometimes they're referred to uh, as uh, handmaids sometimes they're referred to as his wives uh, but what uh, people sometimes miss in this whole story was that yes, they were the handmaids of uh, Rachel and Leah, but they were taken, or, jo or I'm sorry, jo uh, Jacob took them to actually be his wives. So he married them uh, so that his wives wanted him to marry them so that they could have children through them. Uh, but these were his actual wives. Now, um, there's a lot of debate there in verse number two about um, where it says um, Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Uh, if you read after a lot of commentators, there's a lot of people who have a lot of different ideas of what that evil report was. Uh, but 
Uh, what I will say is we don't know. It's all conjecture because the Bible doesn't tell us. What we do know is that they did something that they shouldn't have been doing. And Joseph, what we would think of is he snitched on them. He told his dad because he saw it and he went and told his dad. And this is the thing that uh, we have to always remember <clears throat> about Joseph is that his loyalty was to his father first and foremost, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. His loyalty was to his heavenly father, just like our loyalty should be to our heavenly father. So Joseph could have gotten along better with his brothers had he kept the secret, but his brothers did something they shouldn't have been doing, and Joseph told uh, his father. Um, as I said in the notes, to debate that would be a waste of time because the Bible doesn't tell us uh, <clears throat> what it was. Now, we see in verse number three that Jacob followed in the footsteps of his parents. And as parents, we have to be so careful of how we raise our children because our children have a, children in a, in a, as a whole have a tendency to follow in their mother and father's footsteps. Uh, most of the people that uh, grew up with parents that smoked they ended up smoking. <laughs> a lot of people that grew up with parents that drank, they ended up drinking, uh, those kind of things. Hopefully, all of uh, us that have children, we, we raise them up in church, so hopefully they'll still uh, be a Christian and remain in church. But here, Jacob ended up falling into the same trap uh, that his mother and father did, how that Isaac favored Jacob uh, and Rebekah favored Joseph. <clears throat> And because of that, because of his favoritism, uh, he made Joseph a coat of many colors. Uh, it was more than just a sign that he favored Joseph. What it was, it was really a sign that Joseph was going to be the heir. So even though that he had older brothers, in Jacob's mind, um, Rebecca was what we would think of as his first love. Rebecca was the one that he wanted to be his wife. He, he didn't want Leah. He got tricked into marrying Leah. He still loved her. He cared for her. Uh, he didn't mistreat her. And then the two handmaids, he took them as wives at the request of, of his two wives. But Rachel, uh, I mean, Rebecca was his uh, true wife so that Jacob was the firstborn uh, of Rachel. So he always had a a special place in Jacob's heart and giving this coat of many colors Jacob was recognizing him as the heir Jacob viewed Joseph as the firstborn son because he was the firstborn son of his true wife uh, Rebecca so now even though he was 11th in the the order of 12 sons he was viewed as the firstborn um the coat also marked Joseph as the one Jacob intended to pass uh, the rulership of the clan or the family to and all his possessions. So already the brothers uh, did not like him uh, and now he gets this coat uh, of many colors and is uh, recognized even more. And I, and I look back and I think, I wonder if Jacob even realized the impact that that would have on his family. I, I, I don't know if he did or not. I just wonder if he considered it. 
before he made that coat, but, you know, he obviously uh, loved Joseph the most, uh, and so that, he, that was probably hard for him to hide from the other, uh, his other sons. Uh, but I, I just wonder if that went through his mind. Should I do this? Should I not? Uh, or maybe he just thought, you know, well, I'm the, I'm the father and I'm the uh, authority here and I can do whatever I want. Uh, but really, he, he was the one that kind of drove this wedge in between Joseph and his brothers. Um, and if you look in verse 4, it says, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They not only didn't like him, they couldn't be nice to him. They couldn't even talk nice to him. Uh, so they, they did not have a relationship whatsoever uh, because they didn't like him, and his father favored him, and that made them uh, like him even less. Um. Jacob didn't adhere to the, to the tradition of the firstborn would be the heir. He viewed the heir as the one to be chosen, just like Jacob wasn't the firstborn, Esau was, but uh, Jacob was the one that was chosen to be the heir uh, of the blessings of God. Um, and what really set Joseph apart from his brothers was his character. He was loyal to his father, the other brothers, uh, I believe, were loyal to their father, but not 100%. Uh, they did not always listen to, to their father. They didn't always obey. Um, they didn't blatantly disobey. They disobeyed behind their father's back. That's why they got so upset when Joseph told on them when they did whatever it was uh, that they did. Now, let's look at verse number 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. So when I look at this, I think, did Joseph think about telling this to his brothers? <laughs> did, did, he, did, did he realize that his brothers hated him? And if he, I'm sure he did because they couldn't even, the Bible says they couldn't even speak peaceably to him. And then he has this dream and then he go tells his brothers the dream. It's like, just pour some gasoline on that fire there, Joseph. Uh, so this, the, you know, the word of God says they hated him even more because now this, I mean, think about it from the brother's viewpoint, right? We always want to see things from Joseph's viewpoint, but look at it from the brother's viewpoint. All of them, except for Benjamin, was older than him. So all of them felt like they had more right to be heir uh, ten of them had more right to be heir than Joseph did. And then their father favors him, loves him, uh, does things for him. They, I mean, can you imagine J Jacob, I mean, Joseph must have been like the worst spoiled brat that you ever saw. 
His, I'm, I'm sure his dad gave him the easy jobs. His brothers had to do the hard stuff. His, you know, his brothers were working, and his dad would come and get him, and they'd go for a walk together, all this kind of stuff. And they, the brothers viewed him as just a little spoiled punk brother, and now their little spoiled brother is coming to them and saying, I had a dream that all of you were going to bow down to me. <laughs> so that, that went over uh, really well with his brothers. So this is the first time that we see Joseph having a dream, uh, and he's going to have more throughout his lifetime. Um, these dreams actually turned out to be true. Uh, these dreams are similar to prophecy. Now, I don't want to give a false uh, um, glimpse into spirituality here. We have to understand that God does not speak to us like he spoke to people in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he spoke to people in audible voice. Uh, he, he appeared to them. He, uh, he appears, you know, in the form of a burning bush. He, he appeared, he spoke to people in dreams. He spoke to uh, Jacob in dreams. Now he's speaking to Joseph in dreams. I don't want to give the impression that God speaks to us in dreams today because he does not. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit of God and through the Word of God. Uh, here, when Joseph was 17, he did not have the Holy Spirit speaking to him, and he did not have the Word of God to read and allow God to speak to him through the Word. Uh, so don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that uh, uh, dreams are true. If you're like me, I have some crazy dreams, and some of them I hope they never come true because they're crazy, right? You, you, I mean, just... I'll wake up in the morning and I'll tell my wife the dream I had. And I'm like, I don't know where that came from. It's not like I watched a TV show about something like that. Just have these crazy dreams. Uh, but God does not speak to us in dreams today. Uh, so Joseph tells, tells them about this dream. And the Bible says they hated him yet the more. Uh, but, and so Joseph now has graduated to be completely uh, despised and hated uh, by his brothers now the first dream obviously says that um, his brothers would bow down to him and um, can you imagine they I mean they even said it what you think we, you're, we're going to be subordinate to you you think you're going to rule over us I mean just think about this his, he was 17 and he was number 11 so his oldest brother was probably, what, in his 40s? 40-year-old man looking at his 17-year-old spoiled brat. You think I'm going to bow down to you? You have lost your mind. It was probably all they could do to keep from slapping him around right there as he was saying it. So let's go on. And number nine, and he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren. I... You know, sometimes I wonder, if I could talk to Joseph, but, you know, maybe telling them is not a good idea. <laughs> you, you saw how negatively they reacted with the first dream. Now he has another dream, and he tells them that one too. This one, he go, it goes even further. Uh, he said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him. And said unto him, What is this dream 
that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? So the sun and the moon represented his mother and father and the 11 stars represented his 11 brothers. And he's even rebuked now by his dad. He said, what, you're saying I am going to bow down before you someday? Well, as we will see, that is exactly what happened. Every single person in his family bowed down before him. They didn't even know it was him at first they were bowing down to. But all of them were under his authority uh, in Egypt when we fast forward several years. So here, even his father had a problem with, with these dreams that he was dreaming. And he even rebuked him. And in verse number 11, and it says, His brethren envied him, but his father observed the sayings. So even though his father rebuked him, Jacob stepped back and he's like, wonder what these things are. So he knew that there was something special about Joseph. And I, and I believe there was something special about Joseph. I don't, I don't think that Jacob uh, just chose to favor Joseph. I think he favored Joseph because he was a, a godly young man and Jacob saw something special in him and knew that God was going to do something special with him. And uh, that in addition to the fact that uh, he was uh, born of uh, Rachel, his uh, first love. But this dream shocks everybody, even his dad. Um, <clears throat> to think that a son would put himself not only equal to his father, but rise above his father. Now, we can see in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that, they, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So because of what Jesus Christ did, God the Father set him up so that his name is above every name. Now, we say that and, and, and we believe that, but if you really think about it, what God the Father did was he put Jesus in front of even himself. He said that his name would be above every name, including the Father. So he, he in a sense, uh, you know, you, you'll have a family business and the dad then at some point retires and he turns the business over to his son and his son now runs the business. That's kind of the way I look at this. What God did at, on the cross, God turned over the business to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the one that's on the throne because God put him there, the Father put him there, and that's where he stays. So when we see this, we see that uh, when, we, when we look at it as typology, as Joseph being a, uh, a type of Christ, he was hated by his brothers, okay? He, when Jesus Christ came, he told them, right, that, that uh, he would be lifted up and that all men would be drawn unto him. He said, tear down this temple and in three days I'll build it up again. And he was hated, he was despised. He was e even to the point of being crucified on the cross. He was favored of his father. He said that it was, it's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So you can see all the similarities as we go through it. And uh, Joseph has a lot of similarities uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ in this typology. Now, verse number 12, we'll see here now, 
we'll get into what his brothers did to him. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Now remember, Shechem was the place that where his brothers went in and killed uh, every man in the city and took all the women and children uh, as uh, captives and take and took all the spoils of the city. So now they're going, they're going back to Shechem uh, to feed their father's flock. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. So you'll notice two things. One, Joseph did not go out to feed the flock with his brothers. Uh, I believe that was because Jacob wanted to keep him close to him. Right? He didn't want him traveling and going out uh, and working hard. But then he tells them, I want you to go check on your brothers and see how they're doing. Now, there's a couple reasons why that uh, Jacob would have done that. One is that he knew that Joseph would come back and tell him the truth. If they were doing something wrong, Joseph would tell him. He wasn't, he wasn't going to lie for his brothers. Um, <clears throat> and... And he said, here am I. The same way that when God needed a sacrifice, when man needed to be redeemed, Jesus Christ stepped up and said, here am I, send me. So this is another similarity between the two. So here he's sending Joseph uh, to go check on his brothers. And verse 14, he said to him, go I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring me word again so he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came unto Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? So you can see this. Joseph, he's 17 years old. He's out looking for his brothers, and this guy sees him, and he's just wandering around in the field. He's like, This guy's lost. What's he doing? So he asked him, he says, What, what, what are you seeking for? Verse 16 he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go down to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. So they were supposed to be in Shechem, but somehow they, they ended up down in Dothan. Uh, it's been speculated that they went there uh, because it was a place that they wasn't supposed to go and their father wouldn't have been uh, would not have allowed them to go there so they had to sneak down there but the Bible doesn't tell us that uh, I try not to read things in there uh, but maybe maybe when they got to Shechem the, the uh, grass wasn't good enough and they had to find other pasture fields I don't know the Bible doesn't tell us but when we see this uh, in the typology now, now you can make typology you can carry it too far Okay, there's people that that think every single verse in the Bible they want to they want to make it a topology of something else, okay? And you, you know you you can do that and really stretch, uh, but that's not the intention of topology. But here uh, we see the the, the unnamed man uh, as a guide. Uh, that's a type of the of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ, when he was on earth. He was led by the Holy Spirit and spoken to by the Holy Spirit just like you and I. Now, I'm going to say something that might be a little shocking, 
to some people, and don't get mad at me. We can, uh, we can disagree on the little things. If you disagree, that's okay. Uh, I do not believe that when Jesus Christ was on earth that he was all-knowing. I don't, I don't believe when he was a baby laying in the manger that he knew, that he remembered creating the universe. I don't believe he had unlimited knowledge and wisdom, and I can show you several places in the Bible. If, if, if Jesus Christ knew everything, why would he go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray, Father, let this cup pass from me? He, see, he had to have faith just like you and I had faith. He was, he was man, uh, he was human just like you and I. So he had to have things revealed to him. And there's several places in the Bible. One, one time that uh, when Jesus was speaking and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were over there, it said, and when Jesus perceived that they felt a certain way. So what that means is the Holy Spirit of God revealed it to him. He didn't, he didn't know beforehand that that was going to happen. Some things he knew beforehand was going to happen because the Holy Spirit of God told him beforehand. But Jesus Christ, he had to walk in faith just the same as you and I. I believe that God shielded him. He had a human brain, and God shielded him from a lot of the spiritual things. And I believe that uh, as he got closer uh, to the cross, the Holy Spirit of God revealed more and more to him uh, about what was going to happen. And um, so now, verse number 16 and he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed the flock. So he went down to Dolphin in verse 17. Verse number 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. So once again, this was his blood brothers. They looked and they saw him. So if, if they saw him afar off before he even came near, how did they know it was him? Because he had this very colorful coat. <laughs> they, they saw this coat of many colors coming and they said, that's our little spoiled brat brother coming to check up on us going to go tell daddy on us again and they said let's just kill him so what did uh, the Jews do when Jesus Christ came Jesus Christ came and they said let's kill him they despised him they hated him uh, they refused to acknowledge him as king they even mocked him on the cross by putting a, a sign above his head that says this is uh, the king of the Jews they mocked him further by putting a crown of thorns on his head you want to be king you want to have a crown we'll give you a crown they gave him a crown they gave him a sign and they said they mocked him they beat him they slapped him they said prophesy who is it that hit you and so now we see that Joseph is viewed the exact same way uh, by his brethren so here's his own brothers they are wanting to kill him <clears throat> um, and then they said we'll see what becomes of his dreams then if he's dead how are we going to bow down to him we'll, we'll prove his dreams wrong he said uh, let's see verse 21 and Reuben heard it and delivered him out of their hands and said let us not kill him Reuben said to them shed no blood but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness. 
and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father. So here's basically what uh, Reuben said. Reuben told him, uh, don't hurt him, don't kill him, just throw him in this pit. And Reuben's plan was that he would get them to throw him in this pit. And basically what he was saying, don't physically injure him or kill him, just throw him in this pit and let him die on his own. He'll never get out. He'll die of starvation. Uh, just let him die down here in the bottom of this pit. That way we, we won't have his blood on our hands, you know, because we didn't kill him. Well, throwing him in the pit would have killed him, so they still would have had his blood on their hands. But his whole purpose was because... He planned to come back later and rescue uh, Joseph and deliver him back to his father. So that's, Reuben was the one that uh, uh, probably feared God more than the others and said, no, 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 we can't, we can't kill our brother, uh, but let's put him in this pit. So, um, fueled by their hatred, they attacked Joseph, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, in the notes, uh, verse 21, 22, Reuben, who was the eldest son, stood up to his brothers, uh, but only partially. He stopped them from killing him and convinced them to just capture him. His plan was to come back and rescue him later. This is similar to what Pilate did when he tried to save Jesus by giving the Jews a choice between Jesus and Barabbas, fully expecting that they would never choose Barabbas. So Pilate tried, tried to get out of, of uh, sending Jesus to the cross and so Reuben here is, is similar to that in that he was trying to uh, save his brother's life. All right, so verse number 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So why is it important that there was no water in it? because he didn't have anything to drink. So he would have died in uh, just a matter of days. Verse number 25, And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead, and their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. So a couple of things. One, his brothers threw him in the pit, they ripped his coat off of him. They attacked him physically. And they threw him down here in this pit. And then what did they do? They just sat down and had a meal like nothing happened. They're sitting eating, laughing, joking. Their brother's down here in the bottom of the pit. He doesn't have anything to eat. He doesn't have anything to drink. They didn't really care. So here they are just having themselves a meal. here, And they had just thrown their brother in. Now, and then they look up and they see this caravan coming toward them. And you notice it said that they were Ishmaelites. So does anybody remember who the Ishmaelites may have come from? Ishmael, right? So uh, that's when you had uh, Ishmael and Isaac, and Ishmael was the firstborn son by Hagar, uh, the Egyptian handmaid. So this is his descendants. So Jacob, uh, I mean Joseph, gets sold to the Ishmaelites, which were going down to Egypt. They had all these spices and bombs and myrrh. So they were basically going down to sell all this in Egypt. All right, so verse number 26. 
And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. So here Judah, and the interesting thing here is that Judah was the line which the Lord Jesus Christ was born into. He was uh, a descendant here of Judah. But he said, well, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him to the Ishmaelites. We'll sell him into slavery. He'll go down there and he'll be a slave. Uh, you know, slaves, especially in Egypt, uh, didn't have a very long lifespan usually. Uh, they ended up being, uh, you know, put to hard labor and things like that. Uh, so they said, well we'll, well, we'll just keep our hands clean by selling him. Um, so once again, he was sold. Uh, and we'll see here for how much. Um, in verse 28, and they're passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Jesus Christ was also sold into uh, Joseph here was sold into slavery, and G Jesus Christ was betrayed and sold for 30 pieces of silver, and that's when uh, they arrested him, and he ultimately went to the cross and died. So here uh, they said, well, let's make a profit off of this thing. If we kill him, what do we have? Nothing. Well, if we sell him, at least we got a little bit of money, right? wonder what they did with the money. I, w I wonder, did they divide it up evenly between them? Did Judah, since it was his idea, did he keep the money? Uh, did some of the brothers refuse to take some of the money? You know, Reuben tried to save him. Did Reuben say, I'm not touching any of that blood money. I don't want any of that. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But when I read stuff like this, that's where my brain goes. I wonder what they did with the money. I wonder uh, what the conversation was after it was over. Uh, now, what we will see here in a minute is Reuben was not present when this was taking place. So Reuben... People, you, you may be thinking, well, if Reuben stood up for him and didn't kill him, why wouldn't he stood, stand up for him here? Because Reuben wasn't there when this happened. We'll see that uh, here in just a minute. So they sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and, they, uh, and the Ishmaelites and the caravan brought Joseph to Egypt. And in verse 29, we see, And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. So renting the clothes means ripping your clothes and that's what people did uh, in times of great sorrow and distress uh, at funerals and things like that they would rent their clothes uh, ripping their clothes so here Reuben comes back he sneaks back and he's going he's to rescue Joseph out of the pit take him to his father he's not there so now he's oh my goodness what have they done to him have they killed him so he wasn't there when, they, uh, when Judah came up with this plan uh, to sell Joseph Verse number 30, And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. Now, the deception was completely put in, mo in motion by Joseph's brothers. They killed a kid. A kid is a small lamb, and they used its blood to stain Joseph's coat to deceive their father. Now, What's interesting about this, how did Jacob 
deceive his father into getting Esau's blessing. Well, he had to kill a kid. He had to kill a lamb. And he put the lamb's fur on his, on his hands and on his neck. And he also had it prepared. And his mother prepared it to fool uh, Isaac into thinking it was venison. Uh, so a lamb had to die uh, for Joseph, I mean Jacob, to be able to deceive his father Isaac. And now a lamb had to die so that the brothers could deceive their father Jacob uh, with the death, uh, perceived death uh, of Joseph. So this is where we say what you sow, that shall you also reap. So Jacob deceived his father, uh, was deceitful and tricked his father, and now his sons are doing the exact same thing to him. So, listen, we can call it... A lot of people... It's interesting to me that people call it karma. They say what goes around comes around. Really what they're doing is they're quoting the Bible. Because the Bible says you're going to sow exactly what you reap. And when they say karma, that's just another way of saying you get what you, you, get what you do, right? And when they say um, what goes around comes around, they're basically saying a different phrase of what the Word of God says. And they don't even realize that it came, that those phrases came from the thought process uh, of the word of God. All right, so verse uh, 32. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. You really think that they didn't... That, if they found that, do you really think that they would have come and said, hey, do you, do you think this is your son's coat? It was a one-of-a-kind, folks. It, it, he didn't go down to Walmart and get it, and 50 other people in, in town were wearing the same coat, right? This was, a, this was a very specific coat, and his brothers should have been smart enough to know if they'd have found it, they would have known this is Joseph's coat. But that's not what they did. They didn't come back and say, look, we found Joseph's coat. They said, hey, look what we found. Do you think this is Joseph's? And he knew it, verse 33. As soon as Jacob saw it, he knew that it was Joseph's coat. And he said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. And Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. So, the good news is the brothers didn't have to lie to their father and say an animal killed him, an evil beast killed him. He just, Joseph just assumed that. I mean, Jacob. I'm sorry, I, I wish it wasn't Jacob and Joseph because I'm constantly calling them by the wrong name, so I apologize for that. But Jacob was the one that his mind went exactly where uh, his sons knew his mind would go is that he um, was killed by some beast. Now, if you think about it, uh, when Jacob sent Joseph to see his brethren, he sent him alone, which kind of doesn't make sense because he, he didn't send him with them to work. Maybe he had a job for him there. Uh, but then when he sent him, you would think that here's you got a 17-year-old son, there's wild beasts, there's uh, people that will... Uh, attack you and take your money uh, there's thieves and everything else but he sends his 17 year old son 
to go check on his brothers completely alone. He, he didn't send any servants with him. He didn't send anybody to protect him as a group. Uh, just like anything else, if you're, in a, if you're in a strange town or a strange city, you're less likely to get mugged if there's three or four of you than if you're just completely by yourself. Uh, so I wonder in my mind why Jacob would have sent Joseph alone. There had to be a reason. I don't know what that reason is. Maybe Joseph said, Dad, I don't need anybody. You know how you know how you were when you were 17, right? You didn't want to be babysat. You didn't want to have somebody watching over you. He may have said, no, I'll go by myself. Uh, I don't know what happened. But it is strange to me that Joseph was sent on this journey uh, completely by himself. Um, and so he said, he's been, he's been eaten. He's been ripped into pieces. Verse 34, and Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. So I really truly believe that the brothers did not realize how hard Jacob was going to take uh, what he perceived to be the death of Joseph. I really think that that they did not mean to inflict that kind of pain on their father. Uh, and I, I just don't think they thought the whole thing through. Uh, but here it says that he rent his clothes, he put sackcloth on his loin, and he mourned for his son many days. Now, verse number 35. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said... I will go down into my grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. So this is why I think that his sons did not mean to inflict this kind of pain because all of them came to him and tried to comfort him and he refused. He sent them away. And basically what, when he said, I will go down to my grave mourning my son, what he's telling them is, I will never stop mourning for Joseph. If I die tomorrow, if I die 50 years from now, I will still be mourning the death of Joseph the day I die. That's what he was saying. I will, I will mourn him forever. Verse number 36. And the Midianites sold him, being Joseph, into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. So here is where... Uh, all of us probably are very familiar with this story. This is where he gets sold uh, into Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was an officer, a captain of the guard. Uh, let's look here in the notes, Adam Clark's commentary. Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, the word Sarius translated officer signifies a eunuch. And lest any person should imagine that because this Potiphar had a wife, therefore it is absurd uh, to suppose him to have been a eunuch let such persons know that it is not uncommon in the east for eunuchs to have wives nay some of them have even a harem where they keep many women though it does not appear that they have any uh, progeny any children and probably discontent on this grounds might have contributed as much to the unfaithfulness of Potiphar's wife as that less principled motive that which is commonly believed that she acted. In other words, being a eunuch, he did not have the ability uh, to have physical relations. 
So uh, he's saying that it wasn't, it wasn't out of the ordinary for eunuchs to have wives, but they didn't perform the duties of a husband. And he said maybe that's why uh, Potiphar's wife was so much after Joseph, which we will get into. All right, so we will stop there and pick up in chapter 38 next week.